you know, apparently, apparently the latest new Twitter trend is y'all, but replace the A with an X. And I don't know who started that, but I, I need to have a word. <laughs> it's a my friend posted something and it was like an Instagram poll and it was like does women with an X make you feel more included and represented and it was like 90% no <laughs> I'm so glad that we collectively finally reached this point don't you know that vowels are gendered like don't you dare fucking show me an A or an E A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y oh, all cancelled 2020 <laughs> I feel like we should address is what has really happened in the turf world and that's jk rowling's oh, new fucking no. book i saw that it's like we couldn't even have made up this as parody we really couldn't like i thought that she was done but she i thought not. it was a joke <laughs> i was like this is like you know those like tiktoks that are like people pretending like to be like like if you're black at hogwarts like you're like yeah asian at hogwarts like all that shit no the headline absolutely reads like a joke and then just and then i I realized like it was real and i was like oh i saw someone on twitter call her unhinged and that's like the most accurate term i think like she is fixated it is bad it is really, really bad. It's also like super sad to me because Kai, the actress that plays the little actress that plays the um, Bailey in Babysitters Club, <sighs> was really sad because what I'm thinking about is so shout out to Bailey also for or so Kai, sorry for retweeting our meme. <laughs> oh yeah, but she tweeted about the headline was J.K. Rowling's latest book is about a murderous cis man who dresses like a woman to kill his victims. <sighs> we hate it i I can't even um and then kai shapley tweeted i'm sorry i ever read her books i'm sad she lies about people like me i'm scared that she is making more people hate kids like me she is not a nice person hashtag protect trans kids and that's just like the most heartbreaking thing that i can imagine like now i can look back and see all the issues with harry potter but harry potter was a world that like brought me and a lot of my old my past friends together right mm-hmm. like it was really important to me it's like I wrote college essays about stuff related to Harry Potter like it was like <laughs> this whole world that was really important to me and it, yeah. it's really like I'm super glad that kids now have like other representation and like other like really great queer fantasy out there that they can like access and like they don't like Harry Potter is not you know for doesn't sure. have to be this thing for people but like reading that I was like oh you're too young I know. I mean, I'm, I kind of, I hope that it's actually like the parent who tweeted that and maybe Kai isn't even aware of what JK Rowling is saying, but I just, given how online kids are nowadays, even if a parent tweeted that, I wouldn't be surprised if she still like saw the news at some point because JK Rowling is one of the most famous and influential people on the planet. And that's what makes all of this all the more so oh my god just awful just so frustrating yeah it's like it's not even like i'm really over jk rowling i have not read anything she's written since the seventh harry potter book really (laughs) yeah but like i just i'm like that sucks that sucks it does harry potter has deep cultural imprint so it's like you can't ignore it yeah i just like yeah it's it's just it's just sad it's just like I could not give less shits about, like, what J.K. Rowling is doing, but, like, when kids are actively, like, this hurts me and I'm scared, I'm like, how does anyone defend that? Right. And I feel like a lot of people are making it seem like, oh, this only affects adults because we were the ones who were reading Harry Potter as a kid and I see a lot of it framed like, oh my god, like, get over it. Like, yeah, this was important to you as a kid, but you're an adult you can read other books type of things and I mean like yes valid point but more importantly there are still children today reading Harry Potter this is not an issue of just adults not being able to let go 
of something that was important to them in childhood. There are children today reading the books. Yeah, and it's just like I think that Kai's tweet, and like I don't say she's too young to be like di- like diminishing her or anything. It's mm-hmm. like simply like that is fucked up that like she oh, has absolutely. to understand this truth about the world. And like I think that her tweet being like, "I am afraid that this is going to spark." more hate against people like me and like validate people because so many people like jk rowling has a responsibility as a figure right mm-hmm. to act to like to not perpetuate hate and instead what she does is perpetuate hate misinformation and violence like it's violence mm-hmm. it, it enacts violence we see that time and time again mm-hmm. so that's just why i'm like god bless anna and martin for not being problematic <laughs> publicly so at the very least right like i just at this point i death to celebrity culture i need celebrities i need authors i need everyone to just shut the fuck up like do make your little piece of whatever it is that you've created put it out into the world and then shut the fuck up i don't i am so tired of of like seeing people reveal themselves to be terrible I can't do it anymore. Joy's like laughing so much at me right now. (laughs) Sorry, I had to mute myself so I didn't yell over you. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, should we start the episode? (laughs) Yeah, I think we should. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is Great Idea, a Babysitter's Club podcast. I'm your host, Joy. And I'm Danny. And Great Idea gets its name from the first book of the Babysitter's Club, Anna Martin's iconic book series, which is called Christie's Great Idea. Also from the fact that everyone thinks our podcast is a great idea, and we hope ours actually is. This is, I wrote it down, the ninth episode. Did I get it right? I actually don't know. No, Wait, no it's, not. it's not. It's not. <laughs> but also you said, you said everybody thinks our podcast is a great idea instead of... <laughs> their podcast which is i love that i love the hubris here should i re-record i mean i love that the way it is but if you want to oh no it's fine it's fine (laughs) everyone knows how my brain actually works um the reason i jumped so quickly from yelling about killing celebrity culture to the intro is that i think that we should start with a shout out to malia baker who is the actress who plays Marianne in the series on Netflix and she um, tweeted a really lovely thing about our podcast but also um, she's someone who is young and like facing celebrity at a young age but like really badass in how I see her using her platform and I really appreciate that because like if we're gonna have this situation as it is um, I think that it's super important for and I'm just like really excited for young kids to see her and be this like badass black girl who's like killing it out there so that's my shout out yeah she's like always posting she's raising awareness about social issues on her twitter all the time and it's like wow look at that 14 year old kid using her platform more responsibly than literal fucking millionaire anyways (laughs) god yeah so this is episode seven and eight nope Uh, it's, Danny, can, it's you, can you do all this can you do this part of it <laughs> yeah so this is our seventh episode what if i'm actually wrong what if this is like episode eight? <laughs> wait let me look it up and we're just both <laughs> completely wrong about this okay this is the seventh episode and we are going to be discussing the fourth babysitter's club book mary ann saves the day so this is the first book that we have in Marianne's point of view. Joy, have you prepared your book report for the class today? I did. Um, as always, there's so much happening in this that I'm going to try to keep this short, but it might go a little long. I'm going to try to cut out unnecessary details. But we were talking about Marianne Saves the Day, book four, originally published in 1986. And so let me set the scene for you. It is January in Stony Brook. <laughs> snowing outside you know we start with the introduction of the club and then we get a nod to the the fact that Marianne is close with Mimi who is Claudia's grandmother she's teaching her how to knit and the knitting kind of ties its way through the whole book Uh, Marianne makes a specific note about how glamorous and gorgeous Stacy is I think we need to come back to this point and how she feels babyish in comparison another big theme of the book and then at the meeting we get our big conflict so Christy 
accidentally accepts a sitting job for one of their favorite clients without asking the other members. And so then this sparks a huge argument because apparently Claudio's done this before. And then they all start yelling at each other, but that they're like job hogs and bossy and stuck up and shy little babies. And then the twist is that Marianne is the one that loses her temper. Um, and she yells kind of mean things at her friends. And then she runs out the door. And then she has to have dinner with her dad. And we learn that they have this kind of like, it's a very rigid relationship with like, they eat dinner every night, but like, they're not close. But her dad does monitor a lot of her life and like, chooses what she wears and what her room looks like, what she does. Um, She doesn't actually even like what her room looks like. And we learn that she actually likes yellow and navy blue and not pink. And doesn't reflect her 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 interests, her interests, which is like a big deal. That's happened like six times ever that Chris, uh, Marianne and Christy haven't walked together. Um, and because of this, they like say mean things to each other at school again. There's a lot of like nastiness in this book. But because they sit al- separately, Marianne ends up sitting alone. And so she meets Don Schaefer, who is a tall girl with the blondest hair I've ever seen. And she's from California. So like representation matters, California representation. <laughs> Danny's face at me right now is very upset and Marianne lies and says that her friends are absent which is why she's eating alone they make plans to hang out after school which is also a big deal because Marianne only ever hangs out with the BSC girls Dawn also apparently lives like in an old like barn like situation anyways um (laughs) they also watch the parent trap which is cute and then the BSC meeting is just like bad like bad they don't talk to each other. They're like uncomfortable. And Christy doesn't show up, which is like big deal. Christy not showing up. Turns out she's at the twins that they're friends with. I don't know. And when Marianne confronts Christy after the meeting about this, Christy's like, so we'll each just like sit during the meeting time separately and like take the calls and like take all the meetings unless we can't. Bad system really defined, like goes against the reason they started the club. Um, <laughs> Marianne sits for Jenny Prezioso don't know um her parents are like very like her mom is like very weird and like wears really formal clothes and makes jenny wear really formal clothes and she's kind of a brat and then she gets paint on her clothes and it's like a whole thing the club's still fighting marianne calls her dad her jailer which is like a lot tries to confine in mimi claudia hears mimi call marianne my marianne and she only calls claudia my claudia and then it gets even worse and then christy and marianne have the job together it's really bad and then the, the moment of really lovely reprieve like in the, all of this is that we learn that Don and Marianne's parents dated in high school and they do some like yearbook sleuthing real cute and then the big crisis is that Marianne is sitting for Jenny again Jenny develops a fever it's 1986 there's no cell phones so she can't reach Jenny's parents and none of the emergency contacts so she calls Don and then they call 911 and then they take Jenny to the hospital and she has strep throat and then her parents come and it's okay and then her dad Jenny's dad pays them like two times what they would make, which is kind of cool. We love money. We're now a capitalist podcast. Sorry, I'm wrapping it up. Oh, but we get to this really gay moment that we can talk about later where Dawn goes to Marianne's house and then Marianne puts her arm around her to make Christy jealous because Christy's watching through the window. And then Dawn realizes that Marianne lied to her about her friends and she feels used and all of it's just so gay. She realizes she's the rebound. She's the rebound, baby. And then Marianne's dad is proud of her, though, for being responsible. And, like, literally, like, Marianne, like, goes up, takes her braids out and comes down and is like, let me do these things. And her dad's like, okay. Um, so she can stay out later, change her room. And they all sit for this baby, this four-year-old's birthday party. And then they, like, literally fight during it real bad. And then Marianne goes full Virgo. And she's like, we are going to deal with our shit. And then they all admit they don't like being mad at each other. They say they say sorry. It's great. Marianne has a party at her house. Don and Marianne's parents meet. It's like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? And then Don becomes part of the babysitter's club because she and Christy trauma bond about divorce. And that's it. That's what you missed on Glee. Truly so much happens in this book. I'm sorry that that was so long. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. All those pieces were very important. <laughs> so where do you want to... S- well, okay, I want to know, because there's so many pieces to all these books, I'm curious like what you feel like are like the big themes of this book, you know? Yeah, I'd say for me, the biggest theme is Mary Ann standing up for herself. She does this on multiple fronts. You know, she stands up to her father and she stands up to her friends and she takes responsibility in a lot of areas in her life. You know, she helps her babysitting charge, make sure that this kid gets the medical attention that she needs. She 
apologizes to her friends and like she's the one who really apologizes first out of anyone in the group and she's the one pulling out the olive branches and trying to be the bigger person and I mean I want to hear what you think the themes of this book are as well but once we cover that I want to talk about Marianne's dad first because oh boy do I have feelings about Marianne's father oh yeah let's talk about Mary I I agree I agree I think it's like similar themes which is kind of cool of like bodily autonomy and like standing up for yourself and stuff like that but yeah what are your feelings about Marianne's dad let's talk oh man you know in the first three books each of you know Christy Claudia and Stacy they all mention that Marianne has to wear her hair in braids because that's how her dad likes it and it's a rule but it's not until we're in Marianne's point of view that you realize just how bad it sounds so in Marianne's point of view for the first time we get this narration she says My father lets me dress like a model too, a model of a six-year-old. I have to wear my hair in braids, that's a rule, and he has to approve my outfit every day, which is sort of silly since he buys all my clothes. And what he buys are corduroy skirts and plain sweaters and blouses and penny loafers. And then she kind of goes on about like what she would like to wear instead. She takes a lot of inspiration from like Stacy's fashion sense, but um, but the point is, like, that just sounds really bad. Like, it's not even just the braids, but he has to approve my outfit every day. Like, that is an intense level of control for a parent to have. Yeah. Especially at that age. I mean, I understand, yeah. like, kids tend to, I mean, parents tend to dress their kids when they're really young. But, I mean, I, I didn't need my parents' approval when I was 12. No, yeah, it's it's like very controlling and I know they try to justify it with like uh, he just like doesn't want to grow up he's worried about I don't even know there's a point where there's a point it's not while they argue but at one point she does her internal narration says like I know my dad loves me and I know the reason he's strict is that he wants to show everybody I can be a well brought up young lady even without a mother but sometimes I just wish things were different yeah, and he, he says, he realized, thinks that he she's a sixth grader, she's like, I'm a seventh grader, and then on page 70, she's like, he rubbed his hand over his eyes tiredly, at last he said softly, it's not easy for a father to raise a daughter alone, I have to be both father and mother, on top of that, I'm not home much, I'm doing the best I can, and, like, I understand where that's coming from, but, like, you're right, that, like, still, it's, like, I am very happy that by the end of this we get Marianne being like no and then and then Mimi I I want to note Mimi's response because Marianne goes to Mimi because Mimi's like the most mother figure that she has which I love very cute she's like asks Mimi if she acts like a normal 12 year old and Mimi says yes um you do not wear the clothes that Claudia does but I do not think that means anything you are very responsible and you also seem mature but you are serious too and I know it is not wise to confuse gravity with maturity and then she says like that dad won't let me take Humpty down like because she won't let her take the portrait down and she says every time I turn around I'm facing another one of my father's rules you can't ride your bike downtown you can't wear pants to school I was like um you can't do this or this or this and then Mimi says I know it is not easy for you and I suppose you have heard people say that your father is doing the best he can well I will tell you something that I have often told my Claudia if you do not like the way things are you must change them yourself and I and I really am glad that that voice was in there just this voice that like Mimi was like I don't know it's not ideal I think that you would want it feels like this moment of like resistance and like Mimi's acknowledgement of Marianne's like autonomy and ability and rights and I I did like that a lot yeah I feel like she's careful to not judge Marianne's father's parenting style and like she still manages to validate Marianne without necessary because you know I feel like it would be really easy to in trying to validate the kid make it seem like oh yeah you're right and your dad is in the wrong for all of his rules or whatever so Mimi is very careful about Mm -hmm. not doing that which is nice but I feel like I'm getting conflicting messages about Marianne's dad because it's like Mimi says, I suppose you've heard people say your father is doing the best he can. He's like, you know, it's not easy. I have to be both a father and a mother. But at the same time, one, he thought she was in sixth grade instead of seventh grade. And second, 
we see in the very first dinner scene that they have together that they basically have no relationship. Like Marianne says, we ate in silence again and it dawned on me that dad and I sat across from each other at that table twice a day, each weekday, and three times a day on the weekends. If a meal averaged half an hour, that meant we spent over 400 hours a year eating together, trying to make a conversation, and we barely knew what to say to each other. He might as well have been a stranger I just happened to share food with 16 times a week. So I'm just like, how is like this message we get of like, he's trying really hard. And I'm like, okay, but where are the results of that? Because she's super responsible and polite and has good manners. Sure. But you literally like don't have a relationship with your daughter. Like the two of you do not know what to say to each other at dinner. So it it just makes it harder for me to feel sympathetic to him. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it, it, this one is a little bit, I think that a lot of times you find that the themes of these books are kind of heavy handed um, because they're for children. And I feel like for this one, it's like a little bit, like sometimes it feels like there's a note of like, hey, like adult reading this, like you get this part of it kind of winks, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know how to feel about this either. Yeah, it's possible that when she was writing it, maybe she was like, like Anna Martin was, I need to make Marianne's feelings about her father super clear. And this is what a 12 year old girl with a single father like might feel about like, I don't know how to talk to him. And he's a really strict old fashioned lawyer type of guy who doesn't even like, (laughs) doesn't even like when people say the word. Yeah. He only likes when people say yes. (laughs) Yeah. My only redeeming factor with him is that like, he realized like Marianne or like 137 Marianne's like oh am I like am I more mature than you realized and he says yes yes I think you are and like then she takes her braids out and he's like I watched dad's face go from serious to soft lovely he finally managed to say and like the feelings of like that it it feels very much like a turning moment and like I'm I don't remember what happens in future books but she does get spoiler a boyfriend (laughs) and he does kind of relax a little bit, so... Okay, the graphic novel is so cute. I need to send you pictures. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember vaguely that he approves of Logan very much. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that you're right. Like, it's really... Like, I don't feel sympathetically towards, like, this man who, like, is obviously doesn't seem like he's trying hard enough to, like, connect with his kid. Um, <laughs> but I also do appreciate the like representation of like this moment of like parental acknowledgement of wrong in almost some way like he never says I was wrong he doesn't get that far but like we get almost there right yeah like he's willing to at least change his mind and be like okay yeah like you've proven responsibility enough that you've earned me being able to extend your curfew a little bit more and I mean this is also a spoiler and if you think this is too much of a spoiler we can edit this out but we also know that he loosens up so much more when he remarries. Do we have any other thoughts about Marianne's dad besides he's just not so great in this book, but, you know, we, we do like to see Marianne stand up to him and gain a little bit more independence. No, it's just, yeah, the idea of a parent being like, like having to approve like everyday outfit is not even like dress code like kind of like oh like I don't feel comfortable you wearing that like having to like stand there and have someone like approve your outfit it's like and I also feel like not to have like a parenting moment but like I think one of the reasons why I have such a close relationship with my parents like into my 20s is that they have always there has always been mutual trust and respect and like when I pierced my nose, my mom was like, I've granted it was in college, but like my mom was like, I mean, I think it's gross, but it's your nose. And like when I shaved my hair off and when I like did all these things and very much like I have seen the ways, you know, like we know it's not always that way, but like as a note, like it is something that like it's interesting to see all these different representations of parents. Like he's in representation a lot, which is like weird, but I, it makes me hope that we get to it that Marianne and her dad get to a different place in the future <laughs> yeah agreed so let's talk about Don. let's talk about how gay so much of this book is like okay let me preface this by saying 
I know. And this is this was the remarrying spoiler. Marianne and Dawn do become stepsisters later on in the series because Marianne's father and Dawn's mother turns out that they were high school sweethearts way back in the day. And when Dawn's family moves back to Stony Brook, her mother and Marianne's father reconnect and they end up remarrying. And so the two of them become step-siblings and it's like one big happy family, right? But, but these two girls, when we're reading this book, these two girls have never met each other before. And it's just, it's just really gay. I'm sorry. It just reads as like so gay to me. So many moments. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have anything else to say to that besides yes. Let's talk. Well, okay, we're on Dawn. We're not on. So the the weird moment about Dawn, though, that I find in this initial meeting is that. So yeah, I feel like maybe we should maybe we should introduce what Dawn is described as physically. Um, Marion stand looks up, and standing uncertainly by my side was a tall girl with the blondest hair I had ever seen. It was so pale it was almost white, and it hung hung straight and silky to her rear end and we learn she's a new girl and then marianne says she wasn't exactly pretty i decided but she was pleasant which was more important (laughs) and and i just like what like (laughs) marianne (laughs) notices woman's appearance a lot like marianne will fall over herself calling Stacy gorgeous and beautiful. She notices that Dawn is not pretty but pleasant and she also notices that Mimi has a very natural and like aged beauty about her. I'm like, Marianne, you're gay. <laughs> okay, because we need to know the important line of this book is that on page five, the fifth page of this book, Stacy enters and Marianne says, writes, hey everybody, called a voice. Stacy entered Claudia's room, looking gorgeous, as usual. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> You're trying to tell me that this girl does not have a crush on Stacy? The line right after that is, if you ask Stacy, she'll tell you she's plain, but that's crazy. Stacy is glamorous. Oh my god, like Marianne's got it bad for Stacy. Oh, and then the next page she says, Stacy often creates a sensation. So does Claudia. But I was like, although she's not quite as sophisticated as Stacy, you can't top live having lived in New York. I'm like, oh my God. Though they do call out Stacy for talking about being from New York too much. It is very funny. That is like the main conflict that they have with Stacy. <laughs> they're like, you always just talk about New York. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm like, oh, where, where is Stacey pretty from? mean. She literally <laughs> called Stacy like a conceited snob. But yeah, I mean, with Dawn, it's like the first time that they hang out when they finish hanging out, like they had just finished watching the movie The Parent Trap. And then Marianne says, this was really fun. And Dawn says, yeah, it was. I'm glad you came over. And it just reads so much like a first date. And so much of their friendship is, so like you explained in the book report, like the girls are fighting. And so Marianne is making Christy jealous with her new friendship with Dawn, because Christy and Marianne are best friends, like number one, BFFs. And so it's a big deal, especially because Marianne says at one point, like, I'd never made a friend on my own. Like, I just grew up with Christy and Claudia. And then these twins are, they were Christy's friends first. And, you know, then Stacy was introduced to me through Claudia, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a big deal for Marianne to just have made a new friend in Dawn all on her own. And she, like, milks the shit out of it (laughs) to make Christy jealous throughout the whole book and it's so funny but also really gay yeah no I I feel like we always have to say that like girls can be friends like no no, they can't join female (laughs) friends girls and girls can't be friends (laughs) no they can't if you're a girl Um, if you are a girl and you are with girls you're gay (laughs) female friendships are important i guess heterosexuality exists however (laughs) all these girls are gay (laughs) yep all of them and dawn like reciprocates very much so like she 
calls oh, yeah. like she adores Marianne. She's very eager to hang out with her all the time and she calls her pretty and when Marianne comes to school with her new hairstyle, like her hair down, it's not in braids, she's like, You look so pretty and she literally says, Turn around. Like she wants Marianne to show her the three sixty view. I want to go. I want to go specifically to this scene. Uh, so she calls Dawn because she's fighting with all the other girls when Jenny gets sick, right? And Dawn is actually really resourceful, really helps her out. But then I was confused about this timeline. But apparently that was early afternoon, and now we are in the evening. And please note, Marianne and Christie's windows look at each other. They can see into each other's rooms. And. <laughs> uh something about oh they're like haha wouldn't it be funny if like our family oh i just realized that they watch the parent trap yeah and then they parent, then trap, they parent their trap their parents yep oh <laughs> oh i didn't even i didn't even i just remembered the Lindsay lohan where they got the halves of the pictures yeah dang <laughs> well that went over my head um Subtlety. <laughs> And then Chris, uh, Marianne threw her head back and laughed. As I lowered my head, I looked straight in front of me, out my window, and into Christie's. Christie was staring back at me. Since the day was dark, the overhead lights were on in our room, and I knew that I, she had a perfect view of Dawn and me sitting side by side on my bed laughing. Christie looked furious. Good. She was jealous. She also looked hurt? Maybe betrayed? I couldn't tell. For some reason, though, I felt triumphant. I'd show Christy. I was no longer the old Marianne who depended on her for friendship and who went along with anything she said or did. I could take care of myself. I could make my own friends. To be certain she got the point, I put my arm around Dawn's shoulders. Then I stuck my tongue out at Christy. Christy stuck her tongue out at me. And it goes on that, like, Dawn is like, what are you doing? That girl looks familiar. And then Dawn goes, (laughs) Dawn went on. And how come you put your arm around me just now? Was that something you want Chris you wanted Christy to see? This uh, is the moment. This is the moment Dawn realizes she's the rebound girl. <laughs> I love this. She's scene. like, it oh glorious. Shit. I just was just so gay. Very gay. And then the moment that because the the nice the happy resolution to all of this is that the babysitters club does eventually make up and then they invite Dawn into the club. But the first time that Dawn and Christy meet, there's this sentence that goes like, I'd introduce Dawn to the other girls as they'd arrived. Now Dawn and Christy looked at each other warily. And it's just very strong, like, ex-girlfriend, new girlfriend energies. I'm just saying. Uh, Yeah, I just... Which is also gay to, like, have your ex and your friend all in the same situation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's just gay. This gay rating is very, very high. Yes. I do think that this book captures well the drama of being in seventh grade. Like, I painfully would. Like, I just realized that, like, my friends, like, bat mitzvah, like, we... Like, there was all this thing, like, people had to, like, hide in the bathroom and then, like, talk about it. And then we all sang for good from Wicked. And, like, <sighs> seventh grade is, is rough. Yeah, seventh grade was a pretty miserable time. What were you like in seventh grade? What was I like? Oh, I think I was reading Twilight. Who were you? Like, <laughs> how? First out of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we take a brief pause and just talk about the Twilight Renaissance? <sighs> Perhaps we should. Did you enjoy that post I sent you earlier today about the the Twilight AU where Carlisle is in jail with Lori Laughlin because he bribed Darkmouth to accept Bella Swan. And then someone made an accompanying mood board. Art, I tell you, Joy, the Twilight Renaissance is art. It is. It is. It's also relevant, I think, because both you and I read it in, like, seventh grade when they were coming out, right? And that really shaped, like, my understanding of, like, what a cool relationship was and, like, you know, like, it's messed up, but, like, I was like, I want an Edward. Oh, it's like what we talked about with Christy and Alan Gray in, in the second book. It's just bad. I didn't want an Edward. I wanted, like girls 
I wanted Rosalie. I was very fixated with Rosalie back then. I am very fixated on Rosalie today. Rosalie is totally your like femme fatale type, isn't yes. she? Yes. You're like, I want her to yes. be able to destroy me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that is a woman who could kill me. That's hot. <laughs> like such a lesbian. I cannot <laughs> with you. <laughs> Oh. oh man have All i right. seen you the tiktok of the girl who like crushes a watermelon with her thighs <laughs> oh i need this tiktok please send I'll it send it to you <laughs> she's just very buff and she like crushes a watermelon with her thighs i do love buff woman you know this about me <laughs> it's fine okay back to this book <laughs> um, um yeah Oh, can we talk about Jenny really quickly? <laughs> Mother. The weirdest, like, is that child okay? I don't think so. Honestly, I wrote down in my notes, like, this is the female version of Marianne's father. Like, the mom very much treats Jenny as, like, a little doll, like, my perfect little angel, and I must... She's creepier about it, though. It is, it is. She, like, literally dresses this child up as if she was a doll. Yeah. Like... It's very creepy, and I feel bad for the kid. The kid obviously has behavior issues because, like, the mom is scary. Yeah, no, you're right. I think Jenny's behavioral problem. as adults, we can recognize that Jenny's behavioral problems are probably coming from the fact that she is very coddled and very treated like a doll. How old is she supposed to be? Jenny's three. The description we get is on page 56. I mean, basically, we just hear that she's, like, fussy and fastidious, always polite, stepped out of the pages of the magazine, and then she makes her husband and her daughter dress up as if, quote, they were Easter Sunday. And I think Marianne likes Jenny because she can see herself in Jenny, you know? So it's like that they have, like, a little nice moment of connection. Yeah, and Marion says, Jenny tries hard, but she just isn't what her mother wants her to be. Yeah, but it's just very, very creepy indeed. <laughs> the description we get of the Prezioso family, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think, like you said earlier, bodily autonomy is a big theme of this book. I think specifically we see the way that young girls are having, like, their appearance controlled a little bit. And they don't enjoy it. I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like girls are also humans. That also makes me think that Dawn comes into Marianne's life at such a good point. Like, it's such good timing because Dawn is very much, like, has the opposite type of parenting dynamic with her own mother that because you know, Marianne's father's super strict. Dawn's mother is very scatterbrained and hands-off. And, I mean, a very loving mother. Like, she's not negligent in any way, but she trusts Dawn so much and lets Dawn just, like, express herself and live. And so that's, I think, just nice. It's like it's like Dawn is introduced almost as, like, the foil to Marianne. And I think it's really wonderful that the two of them connect. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. I feel like when we're talking about Jenny, I feel like we should talk about the main conflict of the book. But like, I don't know. It's really just Mrs. Preziosa wears a silk black cocktail dress to a basketball game, which is weird. (laughs) And then Jenny has a fever and none of the emergency contacts answer, which is stressful because there's like a point that like definitely she has like they give her a long list of the of emergency contacts. Anyways, I, I just it's very funny because it's part of the book that's very like if I was a kid reading this in 2020 I'd be like why didn't you just call the parents on the cell phone <laughs> and this is why you don't let 12 year olds babysit in 1986 when you don't have cell phones like come on <laughs> she did it though she was very responsible yeah. she called 911 but also like my whole thought in my head was like how expensive is this ambulance ride gonna be oh my god I know right it's just so messed up like People should be able to get emergency care. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like, Marianne, how are you just going to get an ambulance there without asking the parents if, like, what their insurance situation is? <laughs> Hellscape. 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 Oh, I have a thought. 
Tell me your thoughts. Marianne's birthday is September 22nd. Oh, so it's coming up soon. It's almost her birthday. And also, I must say, this is the Virgoiest Virgo book. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. It's all about scheduling. It's about writing the right notes. It's about doing the right thing and having an orderly system. It's about order to convincing your parents and it's about being kind of a bitch when you need to to get shit done that that is one last the last thing i want to say about this is i need to talk about marianne's apology notes so this is in the beginning of the book when this is like fresh after they've just had their fight it's like the next day marianne realizes like okay i should write some notes of apology and she says i realize that i must still be mad at them though because some of the notes weren't very nice. Dear Stacy, I'm really, really sorry you called me a shy little baby. I hope you're sorry too. Dear Christy, I'm sorry you're the biggest, bossiest know-it-all in the world, but what can I do about it? Have you considered seeking professional help? Wow, Mary. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying that... um... It's the meme. It's the meme that I just showed you, the Princess Peach meme or whatever. Like, aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you just want to go ape shit? <laughs> See, so Virgos. Virgos. Sense of duty, organized, like getting You're to the You're on your of astrology shit. site again, aren't you? I am. Oh my God. But like, they're also like, the negative things are that they can be like really judgmental and annoyed and like don't like when things aren't going their way. And so when Marianne gets tired, she fully gets tired. I feel like there's a lot of jokes about like like the quiet ones being the mm. scary ones. And I will say this as someone <laughs> who has often through most of my life, though you wouldn't tell from this podcast and how much I talk, um, <laughs> my past selves have been very quiet. Like, do not talk. Like, very observant only. I was very Marianne. I was very, like... For all that my grandparents trusted me and I had that good relationship, like, they still were protective, like, pretty protective. And I lived a pretty sheltered life. And I, but at the same time, like, I just, I was really scared of everything. And I, I'm still super, I hate conflict. Like, I, I see a lot of myself in, like, as much as I talk about being Claudia, like, I see a lot of myself in Claudia. Like, not in Claudia, I'm sorry, in Marianne. <laughs> yeah (laughs) like in Claudia no and like Marianne like that's that's how I was as a kid I was like and so like her kind of breaking out of her shell and like getting her voice in that way is like what I wanted to do when I was younger and I think I I have I've gone there more you know but like it's been a process what I'm like 12 years older than Marianne in this book and I'm like I guess (laughs) I guess we've made it (laughs) yeah No, definitely as a kid, I don't think that as a kid I ever strongly identified with one of the five main girls, but I still definitely vibed with Marianne. I just didn't want to claim Marianne because when I was a kid, like I definitely, I was not as sporty or outspoken as Christy was and I wasn't as stylish and like girly as Stacy was. And I wasn't, I did like relate to Claudia in terms of like, I love art as well. And Claudia was the artistic one, but Claudia was also still the really cool one and also a fashionista. And so I, I didn't really relate to those things. So Marianne was pretty much the one that was kind of left which which sounds kind of mean because like that makes it sound like oh the rest of the girls are so much more interesting or cool than Marianne but that's not really the case you know it's just that Marianne is shy and has like a quiet sort of strength about her and she's very grounded you know and it's I don't know I just feel like I feel like a lot of people relate to Marianne but we're just not as quick to claim her because she's not obviously cool in the way that Claudia is and in the way that someone might want to, you know, like claim Claudia. Yeah. Also, what's funny is that for some reason, I think it's because Marianne was the secretary. I assume that Marianne liked to read as well, but that's not one of her defining like traits or hobbies or anything like that. So I think that I just assumed like, oh, shy, quiet, and is the secretary of the group nerd like she's the nerd of the group you know she's really Um, not but she's not yeah i I think that i just like 
projected that because again like she was the easier one to project onto as a kid no that's like like i feel like yeah other characters liked it more and she's just like kind of cool like <laughs> i feel like marianne gets like bad rep but i'm like oh hmm. yeah she's a cool girl good job marianne saving the day do we miss anything <laughs> i don't know one time marianne's no. like christy might be would rather be naked <laughs> like what <laughs> Oh, yeah. She said Christy doesn't... She's like... Christy doesn't care about clothes. If she could, she would go to school naked. Exactly. And so that segues into gay rating. <laughs> How gay would you rate this book out of 10? <laughs> Honestly, this book's like 9.5. I'm just saying because... because No, wait. No, just kidding. I take that back nine i was gonna say no boys are mentioned but but claudia sits with trevor and stacy sits with whoever her boy is Hmm. so there's yeah there are there's mentions very very minimal mention especially coming after like truth about stacy and claudia and the phantom phone calls so i agree i would also give it a nine i just i swear like the entirety of marianne and dawn's friendship in this just reads like a new relationship after a nasty breakup between Marianne and Christy. It's like, am I reading Babysitter's Club or am I reading a queer YA novel? I don't really know. Same vibes, same energies. Same vibes. What do you give this? Oh, what's in this book? Passive-aggressive notes? Ooh, I do like passive-aggressive notes. Passive-aggressive apology notes. Yeah, how many passive-aggressive apology notes would you give this out of 10 passive-aggressive apology notes? I would give it a seven. Mm. It's not like my favorite book, but it's still a pretty solid book. And I like its themes and it I like its resolutions. Feels good. Feels organic. <laughs> Scoop. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Yeah, no, it's time to go to bed. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I don't know. Before we read this book, I was like, I don't remember anything about this book. Like I just like no thoughts. <laughs> in one year and up the other like yep. did not remember this book but yeah I enjoyed it I enjoyed it I had fun um when I finished reading it I was again so like what happened but then I'm unpacking it more like you kind of but there's nothing that I'm like wow you know except yeah. for the gayness of making friends yeah do we have a problem <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean, one of our memes was literally, like, the butterfly meme where it's, like, Joy and Danny, girls, is this, this gay? Is gay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll release that meme. We already did. No, we didn't. Didn't we? No. Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Looking forward to discussing the TV show episode. Yeah, we have. There's a lot to get into there. I'm so excited. And we may or may not have a special guest. Great. So, My Kid Kit Wreck is kind of anything by Tamara Pierce. Could shout out a lot of her series. Um, She's an author whose books, she writes like fantasy books, and they were super important to me growing up. She very much writes like these like well-rounded female girl characters who are like very badass, but also human, get their periods and stuff, and has some issues with race, but like on the whole, (laughs) um, tries hard and like has acknowledged that and like as opposed to the J.K. Rowling that we were talking about at the beginning, like, (laughs) has shown growth and has, like, queer characters and stuff and trans characters. So I would recommend, if you've never read any of her books before, The Protector of the Small series is really good, um, or if you want the other universe, The Circle of Magic books. But that's my rec. And author's entire work. (laughs) I will also say about Tamara Pierce's books is that, like, they could be a lot gayer. They could they could be a lot gayer. Us about everything. I'm just because they're like girls that are like knights and like Oh. Oh, that could be gay. That could be really fucking gay. There is one character in the Circle of Magic series that turns out to be queer. There actually no, there's like the, the two main caretaker women are lesbians. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna recommend the Circle of Magic books actually. I feel like you would like those ones. They're all about like friendship as like magic together as strength and like being mm. stronger, like woven together and like they each like they bend like elements. Ooh. Very fun. 
but I'll, they're all good. They're all going to make you feel good. Cool. My rec is Freaks and Geeks, which is a teen show that aired in 1999 and 2000. It only lasted for one season before it got canceled, but it's kind of become a cult classic since then. And the reason I'm picking that rec is because I think Marianne would really look up to Lindsay Weir, the protagonist, because Lindsay is a very, like, she's a straight-A student, you know, like, academically gifted and has never really rebelled against anything in her life. And then she starts hanging out with this group of, like, quote-unquote slackers, you know, like, bad kids who skip school and do drugs and are rebellious or whatever. And so a lot of the show is, you know, classic, like, you're a teenager and you're figuring out who you are and you're figuring out who you also want to surround yourself with. And, and like, it's only 18 episodes, but, but it's a really good portrayal of what it's like to be a teenager. And also, like, follows, like, her younger brother as well and, like, his friends and they're the... So it's, you have the, basically, the, like, older teenagers that are the, the slacker group of friends. They're the freaks and the geeks are like Lindsay's younger brother Sam and his friend and it's you know classic teen stuff trying to fit in figuring out who you are and I think that Marianne as someone who is shy and quiet and really good at school would see someone like Lindsay kind of like starting this new phase of her life and her parents don't really understand why she's hanging out with these kids now and her old best friend who's <laughs> has the classic line she's at she's like at a party she's very religious very like conservative and she goes no i prefer to get high on life <laughs> we love millie anyways and so like you know her old best friend doesn't understand why she's hanging out with these kids and it's yeah it's just it's a good show it's one of those shows that like i think stands the test of time in terms of how it's aged and how relevant and timeless it feels but also unfortunately does include actors who have since been revealed to be terrible people so that may you know kind of ruin (laughs) your enjoyment of the show but yeah not much we can do about that now. I was making a meme while you talked. <laughs> <laughs> I misspelled Marianne four times. Nice. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's a cute wreck. Good job. Good job. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, well, we're going to go. Roll the credits. Oh, I want to give a shout out to our friend Pod, Inherited Pod, who dropped their first ep today about climate change. Go follow. Go like. The world is on fire, but it doesn't have to be. I don't think that's their tagline. <laughs> <laughs> that's our tagline. But <laughs> our what do I what do I say usually? Oh, follow us. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> follow us. Give us your feedback. Uh, great idea podcast on Instagram. Great idea a babysitters club podcast on facebook and great idea underscore pod on twitter you can email us at podcast.greatidea at gmail.com our music is by hannah Mraz. our art is by karina taylor we edit this podcast ourselves we are not sponsored by anyone and uh, that's that's the show kids (laughs) (laughs) goodbye Um, anyways (laughs) Stay gay, ladies. Stay gay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> like our favorite phrase. What is it? Woman and femmes. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So, you know what? So, um, I'm about to hijack this episode. It's going to be 30 minutes of purely me ranting about women and femmes. <laughs>